From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is preaching a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, a subject which is sadly neglected in our day. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 27. Underneath are the everlasting arms. God, the eternal God, is himself our support at all times, and especially when we are sinking in deep trouble. There are seasons when the Christian sinks very low in humiliation. Under a deep sense of his great sinfulness, He is humbled before God till he scarcely knows how to pray, because he appears in his own sight so worthless. Well, child of God, remember that when thou art at thy worst and lowest, yet underneath thee are the everlasting arms. Sin may drag thee ever so low, but Christ's great atonement is still under all. You may have descended into the deeps, but you cannot have fallen so low as the uttermost, and to the uttermost he saves. Again, the Christian sometimes sinks very deeply in sore trial from without. Every earthly prop is cut away. What then? Still underneath him are the everlasting arms. He cannot fall so deep in distress and affliction, but what the covenant grace of an ever-faithful God will still encircle him. The Christian may be sinking under trouble from within through fierce conflict, but even then he cannot be brought so low as to be beyond the reach of the everlasting arms. They are underneath him, and while thus sustained, all Satan's efforts to harm him avail nothing. This assurance of support is a comfort to any weary but earnest worker in the service of God. It implies a promise of strength for each day, grace for each need, and power for each duty. And further, when death comes, the promise shall still hold good. When we stand in the midst of Jordan, we shall be able to say with David, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We shall descend into the grave, but we shall go no lower, for the eternal arms prevent our further fall. All through life and at its close, We shall be upheld by the everlasting arms, arms that neither flag nor lose their strength. 
for the everlasting God fainteth not, neither is weary. I am 
these troublesome times for our nation, many people are looking to the government or to social action for a solution. But the only real answer to the human predicament is a true spiritual revival. Many Christians have no idea of what constitutes revival in the scriptural sense. Certainly the greatest revival in the history of the Christian church took place on the day of Pentecost. Down through the centuries there have been remarkable visitations of God during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity, ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of both Duncan Campbell's account of what happened during those revival times on Lewis, as well as a CD containing personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. The CDs are available to you free of charge, simply by requesting your copies. You may write us at LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may telephone us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Just request your copies of the CDs of The Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work.
Currently on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The present message bears the title, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by various figures, all of which teach us a particular truth about the Spirit's character and functions. So far, Dr. Cairns has spoken of the Holy Spirit as a dove, indicating his purity, as wind, emphasizing his sovereignty, as breath, showing his vitality, as fire, a symbol of his potency. Today, we'll see that the Holy Spirit is characterized by water, which symbolizes his activity. Now, Dr. Cairns continues this message dealing with seven symbols of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say to you, I've been saying we need the wind of the Spirit. We need the breath of the Spirit. Yes, I like the old-fashioned praying. I think of the early Methodists and how they prayed. Now, you'll know that in many points of theology, I'm not a Methodist. But I want to tell you, I'd rather be a Methodist on fire for God than to be some of these egghead people today who could laugh at the old early Wesleyans because of their holy ruling and their tears and their agonies and their cryings and their shoutings, but they haven't the, an ounce of spiritual power about them. Man, those old early Methodists and Salvation Army people used to be crying, Lord, baptize us with fire. I believe in that kind of praying. Oh, I know that there are people whose theology is so refined that they say, Oh, we don't pray now to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Well, it's about time we did then. Baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The church of Jesus Christ is never meant to function as a cold, dead, powerless thing. It's not how Christ meant it to function. There is to be in her the ministry of the living spirit characterized by fire. Now I want to tell you when fire is present, there are some people who are going to get burned. You can't get fire without getting burned. There are some people, and they find that there's a lot of dross and a lot of the stubble of the world, a lot of the chaff of disobedience, that needs to be burned up in their lives. I would say that it's time for us to pray, Lord, send the fire, that mighty purifying fire that will burn up the stubble and the dross in my life. Where there's fire, there's warmth. God knows in this day of external. When we simply say and do the right things and look good, there is a, a, a mighty necessity for the heart-warming influence of the Holy Ghost. When the Lord Jesus spoke after his resurrection to those on the road to Emmaus, did they not say, did not our hearts burn within us? There's the potency of the Spirit. Very quickly, there's water, which speaks to me of the activity of the Spirit. John chapter 7, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 37 and 38, said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 
He that believeth in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this speak he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. Here Christ says, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now it's interesting if you look at John's Gospel, the, the instances where the water is used. John 3, born of water and the Spirit. John 4, the Lord Jesus is speaking uh, to the woman at the well of Sychar. And he says that if you believe in me, I will give you water that will be in you, a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. You'll never thirst again. And then John 7, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's a progression there. John 3, born of water in the Spirit. That's the operation of the Spirit in salvation. John 4, the well of water springing up. That's the operation of the Spirit satisfying every inward and personal need of the believer. The Spirit and satisfaction of life in the Christian. And then John 7, you've got it even more. You've got the, the water, you're saved, it's springing up, you're satisfied, but it's bursting forth, it's overflowing. That's service. The ministry of the Spirit in salvation, in satisfa satisfaction, and then in service. And as someone has rightly said, it is only the overflow from the Christian's life that can ever do good to those around him. So many of us have hardly enough spiritual grace to meet our own needs from day to day. We're struggling. We're under bondage. We have hardly enough power to overcome in our own lives. We're not living in the fullness of the victory ourselves. And so there is nothing but words, nothing but theories for the world outside. There's not that vital overflowing. And it's only when God's people have that mighty gushing forth, that spontaneous outpouring of the Spirit's power from them, that they can ever be of much use in the service of God. Now let me tell you, we have God's promise that we can be so filled with the Holy Ghost. That's God's promise. It's not just for the Ian Paisleys of this world and the Bob Joneses of this world and the great preachers and evangelists. This is for every child of God. Listen to the promise over in Isaiah 41 and verse 17. This is a very dear promise to me. You have often heard me mention Back when Ken Elliott was preaching here a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this. How in the fall of 1976, Ken was coming to preach a mission. Dr. Bob was there for one special meeting, and he spoke on Andrew finding his own brother Peter. And God gave us a great meeting that night. And from that night we had, of course we had a whole week of prayer, but from that night we called a, a meeting that would start one night, Go right through the night and right through the next day and right through the prayer meeting the following evening. About 28 solid hours of prayer. Now you can't do that in the flesh. You try that and you'll end up feeling you're dead. But we believe the Spirit of God was leading and He was leading. Do you know one of the great promises that 
was pleaded again and again and again at that prayer meeting was this one Isaiah 41 17 when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst I the Lord will hear them I the God of Israel will not forsake them I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water Another promise we pleaded at that time was in Isaiah 44 and verse 3. I will pour water on him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground, and pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. Here, my friend, is the promise for every Christian. Those of you who have heard the tape of the Isle of Lewis revival, We'll have heard Duncan Campbell recite the story of one old Presbyterian elder. They'd been in the prayer meeting. They'd been praying for a breaking through of God in the midst. And even though there had been some revival, the prayer meeting was tough going. Never believe that because you get into revival, praying will lose the opposition of the devil. But finally, after hours of waiting on God, man got up and he cried my God you've said I will pour water on him that is thirsty and as best I know my heart Lord I am thirsty and I challenge you now to fulfill your word and God fulfilled his word thank God there's fullness there's a lovely picture of this in Ezekiel 47. I have only time to refer you to it. I'm not going to preach it. Here the prophet, verse 1, gets a vision. Behold, waters issued from under the threshold of the house. Verse 3, he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Let me tell you, my friend, I would to God we had more time just in this very point. We don't need more theories about the Holy Ghost. We don't merely, merely need more teaching. Now we do need teaching because there has been a serious overlooking in fundamental churches of the Bible teaching in the Holy Ghost. There's not just more teaching we need. In verse 1, Ezekiel saw the waters. I think, my friend, from all that I have said today, you can see the waters. But that's not enough. He brought me through the waters. Ah, there's the personal experience. Let that be your cry. Lord, bring me through the waters. Now, here's the road to revival. Personal revival. Corporate revival. Waters first to the ankles. In other words, there has to be a walk in the Spirit. Then uh, you will look in verse 4. He brought me through the waters. The first experience was not enough to go on with. If you've learned to walk in the Spirit, if you would go deeper, my friend, there's new experiences of the Spirit of God. He brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. All we need to pray in the Spirit. 
And then again in verse 4, He brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. That speaks of the strength and the service. There has got to be serving in the Spirit. And then He brings us in verse 5, and we read, The waters were risen. Waters to swim in. Waters to swim in. Man, it's good when God gets us to such a place with himself that our feet are off the ground. I have to confess that when I am out swimming, I never like to be in a place where I can't get part of my foot firmly on Mother Earth beneath me or on the tiles of the pool or whatever the case may be. I don't like to be out of my depth. I want to have something that I can exert my energy upon and I can do my thing to keep things going the way I want them to go. That's natural, I suppose, to most of us. But in the spiritual realm, my revival is when we are swept out into the unfathomable depths of the fullness of the Spirit of God, where there's no standing in the human sense of the word, where there is no means for us to exert the energy of the flesh contrary to the leading of the Spirit, but where the mighty fullness of the Holy Ghost sweeps us along, and there are waters to swim in. How do you get into revival? Walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, serve in the Spirit, but it's the Spirit the all-important factor there. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at one 864 2442408 that's 18642442408 our email address is info@faithfpc.org that's info@faithfpc.org if you would like to learn more about the free presbyterian church of north america we invite you to visit our website www fpcna.org that's www.fpcna.org this is charles kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the bible speak (laughs) 